as a leadership, because uh, we've been talking about principles about where our church is heading, um, what, what, we're, what we're aiming to do, and yeah, there's, I guess there's a realisation that yeah, there could be something more. Mm. And I guess, so for some of you that have been here, we have been going through Colossians, which has a whole lot to say about this, but it also means that we're going to put some of those in-depth looking at passages aside for morning and try and get some of the foundational, why are we even doing strategy? Why are we even doing this um, behind what we're looking at? So, David, what are, um, or why, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Sure. So the, the purpose of why, uh, it's always a good question why, uh, because we want to include you, we want to include the church in this whole conversation. Because we feel as leadership, we've been having fortnightly meetings, we've been um, throwing these ideas around, and it's sort of like, um, you can feel like, oh, the leadership is doing their own thing, and what are you talking about? And, and we've got all these ideas bobbing around our head, and we're not sure that you've got them <laughs> uh, up to date. So I guess there's a, a, we really want to include you in the process. Um, and I guess... Uh, the reason why, it always comes back to Jesus. Uh, we care about Jesus. We want to honour Jesus. We care about the good news of Jesus. We, we care deeply. And, and I guess there's a concern that if we just go through the same routines, if we, if we go through the same sequences and the same sort of stuff we've been doing, we're probably going to get a very similar result to, to what's been taking place. Um, and so I guess our heart's desire is that, that we will... Um, Look, up, look into God's will. That, that we will, I guess, uh, be modelled and refined by, by Jesus. And, and it'll be a, a different picture because uh, we're being shaped by Him. Mm, yeah, I love that. And I think also out of something we were talking about earlier this week is that if we actually, um, to the degree that we see Jesus, to the degree that we get the gospel, is the degree we're going to be empowered for kingdom strategies. So yeah. the more we see the gospel, the more we'll be sent out by the gospel. Absolutely. So I've got a Bible verse, uh, Philippians 1.21. I love this verse. Um, you might be familiar with this verse. And it just expresses Paul's heart and it, in so few words um, what he was all about um, as a follower of Jesus. And it's Philippians 1.21. For me, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now just think about that for a moment. To, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Like, we are all about Jesus, and, and when we live for Him, um, that's when we find our greatest purpose in life. But we know that this isn't it, that we have more to come, and, and while we honour Jesus now, well, that's our aim to honour Jesus now, when we die, we've got the hope of, of, of glory of heaven to come. And so, um, that is a reason um, that, that, that we do what we do, because, yeah, we've got so much to look forward to, and we have so much already. Mm, yeah. Yeah, and so... Another note I've got here for the why, and maybe you can elaborate on this, David, is we've been talking about uh, unstuck church, or this idea of the church being stuck and not being stuck. What does this mean, and why do we need to get unstuck? Yeah, I think uh, we can, can quickly fall into the, a, um, uh, a maintenance system where we're like, oh, well, this is what we've always done. We're, we're going to keep doing the things that we've done, um, and people have obviously put time into ministries, and so we want to honour that and, and value that, but we, I guess there's a, a moment that, that we stop, I guess, seeking God's will and we just keep doing the same old. And so there's a, I guess there's a, a realisation that, well, maybe God is calling us to something fresh, something new. Maybe there, maybe God has put something on my heart and we should pursue that, not to just um, stick in the, in the sort of the old pattern. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so out of all of these ideas, and what we just talked about as a summary is we talked about what we're doing is trying to include you in this leadership conversation we've been having. And also the why is because of the gospel, because of this call on our lives, we want to be uh, sent out and move from being stuck to being effective. So if that's, if that's the why... Well, we'll keep going. I've got one more. Go? I've got with... Uh, we'll go to the next slide. Uh, last week we, we saw this, and it was, it's a beautiful passage in Colossians 1. Uh, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour... But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Just think about why it always comes back to what God, what Jesus has done for us. Like we have to remember where we were in the past, even if we were children and we accepted Jesus, uh, even if we're uh, later in life and we've accepted Jesus, there comes a reality for each of us where we recognise what Jesus has done uh, his wonderful work on the cross, um, when we realise his whole life, the whole life of Jesus is the gospel and him, him going up to heaven. All of that is the good news of Jesus and that is what has reconciled us. Mm. It's not through doing good things, it's not through anything else. And that, um, that thankfulness that from knowing the gospel and the praise that we do for God from the gospel is, is always the why. It's always why yeah. we want to go and do something because it's touched our heart and we realise that this is like the greatest gold discovery of all time. It's like we found the gold nugget of, of not only money, we found the gold nugget of God and how to be at peace with God. And so that is, is we found that that's so valuable thing. Jesus told a parable about um, if you knew the greatness of what has been said, you would go and sell everything you had to go and buy the field where that treasured possession was. And, and that is like what we why we do it, because we've got the most precious thing in life and the good thing about our gold nugget, it doesn't run out. There is enough gold nugget for the whole world. So we, we've got so much to give and uh, it's come to us. So, uh, yeah, we should go. We should do it. I love the line you just said there, this is the why. So as we start to think about, and even as we move on from here into strategy, I think whatever we think about in terms of leadership strategy has to be predicated by the sense that we are doing this for a reason. We're not just doing this because this is what we've always done. We're not just doing it because it's easy. We're not even doing it because this is a good thing. We're doing it because out of the depths of this understanding of who Jesus is and what he's done, I'm motivated to move from where I am to where God's calling me to be. And it's leadership. Leadership is to move from where you are into the paradigm where God is calling us to be. So it's this this movement forward and we can't stay the same. We have to keep moving forward and it's built on that why. So we have uh, three points that we're going to be looking at today. Um, Mission, vision and strategy. And they're built around a triangle. So David, do you want to explain this triangle that we're looking at today? Sure. Well, what we'll do is we'll pull it up. It's like big enough. I think you've done an awesome job with this prop. Jake, actually, this will be quite memorable. You're not going to forget this in a hurry, are you? (laughs) It's not very often you have a giant prop in church. Uh, So, uh, it's well done, handcrafted, specially made. So, uh, what we see here, um, there is a a picture on the board, on the screen as well, but the the picture here is one of of the unity triangle, and um, you know, there's a lot of things of threes in the Bible, including the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity, but this is about unity. So, um, uh, about when we get all the elements, it leads us to unity. So the first one is about mission. 
Why do we exist? So our mission, um, why do we exist? And does anyone know our mission statement? Does anyone have a t-shirt? That might even be a better prompt for you. Yeah, to know Jesus and to make Jesus known, or the older t-shirts were to make know Christ and to make Christ known. They're interchangeable. And it's always good to have a reality check to say, well, if that's our mission, to know Jesus and make Jesus known, how are we going at that? How are we going? What, how do you think? Do you think that we're like 10 out of 10? Would you say that that just oozes out of our church? No, it's, it's to say, no, I think there's, there's room to, 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 to grow and, and to enhance and, and to do better. Um, how, many, how many lives? Do you think, contemplate that verse you just had in Colossians, the law, we will be impacted in mission. Amen, amen. When we, when we get that heart of, of the gospel, it moves us into mission. Um, and, and, it's, and it's why we exist. And, and this statement is, is from before my time. I'm not sure, when did we adopt this statement? To know Christ or to know Jesus and to make him done. Anyone know when that was like owned by the church? Ken probably does. Ken? Oh, hey, you took me on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> um, probably uh, about uh, 2010. Okay. That's how you guess. Yeah. Nearly 20 years old. 10. <laughs> oh, yeah, 10 years old. You can tell Matt is not my strong point. But I, and I guess like there's so many aspects to this because sometimes I think, oh, well, look, as long as we just get someone over the line and they, they start believing, but then there's a whole maturing process, a discipleship process. We want to have disciples making disciples. We want to have um, you know, some sort of a discipleship strategy in this. Um, and so um, I would just like to affirm that, that there's an urgency associated with this, that when we get um, a heart for something, and when we realise that there's a need, then we, then we, when we want to do it, and the reality is when we look around, um, I think we can, we can relate to the fact that there's lots happening in our church. People are doing things, but it doesn't always result in, in, in what we're truly trying to achieve. So wouldn't it be a shame if that we all were busy doing stuff and then we got tired and we didn't see the results? Now, we've got to be honest and, and admit that, that prayer's got to be so central to things because we can't always change people or grow people or, or do things, but, but we can point people in the right direction. And I think it comes back to what you were talking about before. Was, this, this really is the why. We get on later into to where we're heading and what we're doing, but if we haven't um, deeply concreted ourselves into the why, whatever we get to next is going to be lost. Because we'll, we'll be going, we might be going in the right direction, but we don't know why. We might, we might be doing the right things, but we don't know why. And so unless we're, we're found, like we've, we've got this deep sense of being in the why, we're going to get lost. And as you were talking about urgency there, um, we were having a conversation earlier this week, and we were talking about how um, there's this sense of um, the, the gospel itself is an urgent message. It's this sense of, Jesus' last commandment should be our first priority. What did Jesus command? The, the, when someone says the last, the, the last words before they die, it's generally the most important thing they, they're going to say to you. And Jesus said, go and make disciples. Is that our first priority? And I would say, reality check is probably not. We, we exist with a whole lot of good things and we exist with a whole lot of uh, activity and, and, and programs and, 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 and um, 
good things that we're doing, but I don't know if discipleship and, and going to make disciples would be the thing that's driving everything that we're doing, um, which should challenge us. It should challenge all of us. Am I in a place where Jesus' last commandment, I can honestly say, is my first priority? And if that's not true of us in our deepest personal sense, how is that ever going to change us as a community? Out of that, maybe a, a question, David, is, is this, has que- this has ramifications for the model of our church and what we do as a church. What would you, your thoughts be around uh, if, we're, if we're thinking about our mission and we're thinking kingdom strategy around our mission, what does this mean for how we do church? Deep question. Yeah. Uh, really, when you think about it, and I don't think we have all the answers. That's that's what we're, we're coming forward to be honest and say, as leadership, um, we don't have the answers. But we look around and we see a lot of churches, a lot of Baptist churches struggling. Um, so many. Um, it, it is a hard work to have a flourishing church in our current day. Um, I, I think that the days are gone where you can just do the same style and advertise well, and you will have a full church. Um, there, there's something. Um, yeah, a fundamental culture change. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think we have seen such rapid change in our society in the last twenty years, and we know that uh, so many things have drastically changed. And and now the message of Jesus never changes, but the way that we relate to people and the way that we get alongside them and, and present uh, has to change. Yeah, there's that sense of is our our mission clear enough? that someone outside the church can understand it contextually, that they can actually go, this speaks to me, but at the same time be timelessly unchanging. And actually, this is the unchanging gospel spoken in a relevant way. And so maybe that's our challenge as we think through this. Why do we exist? And what does that, does, is that asking the same question that people in our culture are asking? Is it actually speaking to them? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got onto mission and yes, we'll maybe step, we'll step forward into vision now, which is the next side of the triangle. Where are we going? And uh, as we mentioned before, true vision is when we uh, see Jesus. Like uh, we mentioned Paul before, what did he, he saw Jesus and his whole life was transformed with such a passion. Um, uh, when we're going through our vision series, uh, I, I uh, mentioned the, the passage in Isaiah when Isaiah has that vision of God and when he sees God and he, he falls before his greatness and he, God says, uh, whom shall I send? And he says, send me. When we get a true vision of, of God, uh, we get a true vision of Jesus, it, it changes our direction in life yeah. and, and so much of, uh, of us. So where are we going? It, it starts with, with, with once again with seeing something of Jesus and that, that moves us. Um, I guess if we have good intentions, they don't last. But when we get that calling from Jesus on our life, um, that, that puts us put so much more into a, to a task. Mm. And I guess vision also has to do with um, if, you, if your vision is too broad, it means that everything you do is going to be um, stretched thin. If your vision is to reach everyone in Korowa, you're probably only going to... <coughs> Um, be able to do a very small amount per person. But if your goal is, is, is strategic, you'll be more likely to achieve our goal. So this is where I think our vision up to this point has probably been very broad. Um, to reach everyone, to be, to be um, trying to reach as many people as we can, which is good. But maybe we're at the point where, and I know David and I have been talking through, if we want to see fruit, we probably need to hone our vision 
to be, what are you calling us to do, God, that we can actually achieve? Um, that we can get to the end of our lives or this season and go, yeah, we did that. We did what God was calling us to do. We went there. No, absolutely. Um, and I, I think we will know that we've captured the vision when we'll put our prayer time into it. Yeah. Wouldn't it be amazing if, if, if people said, look, I care so much, I want to start a prayer meeting. Um, come to the, I'm, I've invited a few people around, I'd love for an invitation to say, I care about this enough to, to pray about it, and, and I, I want to uh, put my, my time into to what is here and, and my effort. And I think we, we do to an extent, uh, we do care about our church here and, and what we're about, but I think we could, we could grow in, in connecting to, to our vision. I, I think on that line that you just said is we know our vision is effective to the degree that our prayer, our resources, oops, yeah. and our energy are poured into it. So if we haven't got, if we, if we say we've got the vision, but we're not willing to sacrifice anything for it, we haven't got the vision. If, if, we, if we've got the vision, by very nature, it's going to define our lives. We're going to be doing uh, things that, that we thought we would never do because we're like, well, but that's the vision I've bought into. And this is why it has to be from God, because if it's not from God, we're wasting our lives. But if it's from God, and we have this sense of God, this is where you're calling us to do, I'm going to pour in my time, I'm going to pour in my energy, I'm going to pour in my resources, because this is the direction you've called us to. And it's, it's strategic because it's not just um, flitting here and there. It's focused, it's intentional, and it's, it's purposeful because it's out of the, the mission why, and it's based in the vision where. Yeah, so obviously we started this year with our vision for 2019, and we've got our blue board over there with some points, and I still value all of those points on that, that um, what's on the board there. They all matter. Um, but we've been talking about fine-tuning that, uh, about getting a, a language that is similar, but it's more simplified. Uh, so we've come down to uh, four words recently. This is still a work in progress as a leadership. And those four words are about um, seeing people in our region or, or people uh, saved, equipped, growing, and being sent. So saved, equipped, growing, and being sent. We recognise that seeing people saved uh, is the work of God and, and it requires us reaching out. So we've been having some conversations around it's a lot of effort or a lot of time that we should be putting into because of the gospel into that uh, reaching out. And so, as I said, it's still, it's still trying to fine-tune that, but it's sort of four words and it's, 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 it's memorable. Um, it's, uh, it's, you know, there's a lot on the board over there and it's sort of like, well, we hope that some of these, these things are, are important because they, they matter to Jesus. Mm. And out of that, um, David and I have done quite a bit of brainstorming going, what is it that, that is where God is calling us to do? At the heart of it should be the Great Commission. To, to see people saved. Now, there has been some conversation about what does it mean to save people? And there's an acknowledgement here that it isn't simply us going out and uh, talking to some random person and suddenly they're going to be saved and we're going to just drag them back to church and it's... There's, there's an acknowledgement that there's more to that. Um, and it, it comes to that uh, situation that in the last uh, vision series you were sharing, David, about the drawbridge. We're in our castle and we lower the drawbridge and we ride out on our white horses to save people. It doesn't work. Um, some of you remember that illustration. That really stuck with me because I thought, so often we have this model. We're in our church. We're comfortable. 
but we ride out and save people every so often and try and come back in with them. Rather, it's actually we're called to be sent in our very lives, to be living lives that are on mission continually. And so seeing people saved is a a reflection of what God is doing in and through us all the time. It's not something we do at an event. It's something we do in our life. Yeah. So I really love that. I think... I don't think our church is here. I don't think we have seen people saved as our highest priority. Would you say that, Dave? Yeah, it's, I, I've been reflecting about the history of our church, and uh, I, I think a um, you know a strength of our church would be our love and concern for each other, or our welcoming aspects. And there's things that we value, but it's like, has there been a, a time where there's been such a, a heart for the community that's the, that's a driving force? I think that's something to reflect over. Has our church really had that heart and, 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 and energy and resources into reaching people in our community? And yeah, I, I think it's something to improve on, mm. without a doubt. It's yeah. And so our next point was, so people save and then people equipped. Um, and I guess out of this is an acknowledgement that, I don't know about you, but if you're anything like me, it's very easy to just come to church and, and, and do what we normally do and sit and participate and enjoy being in a great community i love my church family but are we here to just come and enjoy or are we here to be equipped and sent out and i guess as david and i have been talking it's this acknowledgement that the whole purpose of church isn't um a car park it's a petrol station it's this picture where we don't come to park ourselves for a little bit and then drive away we come to fuel up and get sent out to go and do what cars are meant to do, to drive, to be, to be fueled up and equipped to do what we're made to do. So, um, yeah, and I think yeah. like a success story, I think for me, when I look over the last few years, there have been people from our church who have got that, they've, they've, they've been built up and then they've gone. Like Bella is a, a recent example. How much joy have we found around seeing Bella grow and develop and now yeah. she's gone to, to Perth and, and doing ministry there uh, in her own way. Like that's just incredible to, to see. Lawrence here, she, she was equipped in our church and she was sent in her own way. Um, there's, there's, there's other people that we can think of that, um, that have been equipped. Um, and, and that excites me. Like, that excites me incredibly uh, to, to, to think that, that we could help someone be those disciple-making disciples, that disciple-making disciples in somewhere else around the world. Yeah. And I love, like, even right now, out of Glow, um, Emma Taylor has just been leading a worship section for the little kids out there. Uh, next week, Ben is leading a, a, a talk. Jake is leading a talk next week. And so um, there's a whole lot of stuff that we are doing that's equipping, but I think it needs to be the driving focus of, of what we're doing. Well, there's something in that to say, well, it's good to have be doing something because I think sometimes we come and receive this information but if we're not actually doing something for the Lord, we're not really being equipped for it. It's like you have to be put in that pressure spot before you're really ready to, 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 to use all your giftings. Um, you sort of I, I think we've all prepared a Bible study or we've prepared a talk or we've, we've done something, all of a sudden it has to be far more than a, a knowledge. We actually have to tell others about it or we have to use those and that's when it it really um, comes to the forefront. So that's part of... We, we want to see people more involved and, and, and using, using their giftings. Mm. Reminds me of like 1 Peter uh, 1 verse 6 where it's talking about the, the pressures that we go through are producing uh, a faith that's more valuable than gold. So when we get into pressure, it's producing 
power. It's producing the uh, ability to actually do more. Um, but if we're never put in that place of, of pressure, actually, oh my goodness, I need to stretch here. I'm not ever going to have the capacity to do even more. So we have mission, we have vision. What's next? Strategy. So we've been talking about kingdom strategy. Um, how will we get there? Strategy. How will we get there? And we admit that this is a work in progress. And part of our strategy is to care about what God has shown us through Jesus, about what the Bible says. Um, so the last couple of weeks, that's why there's been a very practical takeaway. It's like two weeks ago, I know a lot of people were at Ben's camp, but the, the takeaways were um, that we'll encourage each other, that we'll pray for people to be built up in spiritual matters, uh, to, to, uh, to pray for people's spiritual growth, not only their health and, and well-being. Um, it's about, uh, last week it was about uh, the idea that, that we would grow through, through difficulty and hardship, through suffering, that we would keep hanging on to our faith and keep proclaiming the faith in that. So um, it's about, I guess, caring about what the Bible says, and, and there are strategies in the Bible, but the Bible doesn't say, well, look, you're this church in Korowa, go and do these exact things. Um, it's uh, like it's, it's got to be um, contextualised to where we are. And, and you mentioned before that we um, need a, uh, I guess, uh, to think through who are we really trying to reach, and I think it is unrealistic that we reach all of Korowa, um, I think our broad strategy from the last few years is to be, well, we hope that from young to old, uh, we're going to put some effort into all the different age groups. And uh, we've been talking a lot about leadership, about well, could we target a smaller group? Are we seeing a group that's really open at the moment? Um, and uh, one thought that comes to mind is, is that we are seeing um, stuff through the high school and through young people where people have been asking for Bibles. They've been responding in a positive way to what's been shared. And you would think, well, I thought all the young people didn't care anymore. Well, <laughs> there is a response. I know, like, you know, how many people are coming to the lunchtime group? And, um, but once again, it needs to be far more like youth group last uh, Friday night. How many people do we have at youth group? 44 people. So right. 44 people, 45 people, there's going to be 30 youth coming along to a laser tag. It was a fun night, but that's not sort of getting them into the vision here. Like, that's a first step or a, an initial step. It's, mm. not, it's exciting to see, but it's like, I'd love to see more of that to, 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 to actually have a conversation with them about Jesus and hope that they understand it and, and grow in that. Which leads us on, in some ways, really directly to, to pathways. So, in this whole conversation, um, when we look at why do we exist, and where are we going, and how do we get there, once we identify what we're doing, our vision becomes an overlay over all of our ministries. So, whatever we're doing, whether it's uh, our Sunday services, whether it's Manly Music, whether it's Youth Group, whether it's Kingdom Kids, whether it's the Op Shop, whether it's uh, anything that we do, our small groups, everything needs to be in line with these parts of the vision. Uh, otherwise, it's going to just be that spread thing. And so, it's finding what are the pathways, who are we trying to reach, and where are we trying to take them? And so an example here, I guess, uh, a pathway example would be for the, the youth, we are trying to engage some people in the lunchtime group, and it's very uh, low bar of entry. Anyone can come, there's very little God content, it's just a pointer to youth group. And then from there we invite them to the recess group, which is more of a Bible study. 
From there, it's a great invitation to go, if you're interested in this, why don't you come to youth group? And from youth group, it's, it's, we have these engaged nights that are fairly accessible. But from there, it's like, why don't you come next week and come to a deeper night? And from the deeper night, it's an invitation, well, why don't you try and plug into church or plug into a discipleship relationship? And can you see how if I try to invite someone straight to church, they're like, eek, like, I'm not coming to church. What are you even talking about? But if I say, well, why don't you just take this next step? It's nowhere near as confronting. So this is why we really need to think through who we're trying to reach and where are we trying to lead them to? Because if we're, if we're just trying to get people in the door to church, we're asking them to take five steps at once. But if we just invite them to take one step, it's much easier to, to really engage people because if someone's like, oh, I could, I could maybe come along to a racist group. I could maybe come along to a youth group. It's, it's, it's one step at a time because often I think that's how God works. And I think each step needs to be done well. Mm. And I'm sure while there are that, there's some stuff happening with, with youth at the moment, like there's a need for extra resources yeah. in that space and, and um, to be covered in prayer. And uh, there's, there's lots, um, I, I guess the whole point, if we had 20, 20 different steps for every age group, we're going to run ourselves thin, yeah. uh, completely thin and probably burn out and just say, oh, I can't do anything else. But if we knew uh, where we were aiming, I'm sure we could all do something in that space. I'm sure someone here could host a, and some people have a bonfire in that space for, for young ones to hang out. Or, you know, there's stuff that we can do. Discipleship relationships. Yeah, yeah, there's all sorts of stuff. And I think maybe out of this is an acknowledgement as well that um, when David and I have looked over all the ministries of our church, there's probably an honest reflection here that there's no area of our church that's actually getting this right. Even I, I mentioned youth group. I'm not at all saying that youth group has got this together. I see so many parts of youth group and our youth ministry that, man, we're just doing it because that's what we do. Um, it should be confronting to actually go, oh my goodness, if why we exist is to make disciples and where are we going is trying to see people saved and equipped and growing and sent, everything needs to come in line with that. Every ministry, every... Uh, Thing that we do, even our Sunday mornings, this should be challenging for our Sunday mornings to go, why are we doing this? Are we doing this just because that's what we do at church? Or are we doing this because of actually seeing people saved, seeing people equipped, seeing people growing, seeing people saved? It's this overlay in which we can judge uh, what needs to change. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love the imagery that's stuck in my mind recently now that you talked about us potentially being a tree with wide branches and lots of leaves, but very little fruit. And so it's sort of like this imagery that we're doing all this stuff that looks, looks good on the outside, but is it really effective uh, for what we're trying to achieve? I don't think that was my imagery. I think it was Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I think when Jesus cursed the fig tree, he was like, um, yeah, why aren't you producing any fruit? It was this healthy looking tree. I'll claim it. <laughs> well, I think there's, yeah. If you go to the fig tree, like it was even early in the season, I think that they looked through like, it would have been exceptional for that to be showing fruit at that time of year. Mm. But uh, the, the picture is with God, you know, he does exceptional things at exceptional times that, that when we're plugged into what he's doing, then things change. And that's how everyone is saved, that somehow God has worked and moved and, yeah, it, we just happen to be open to his leading at that time. Mm. And out of that, I guess, out of that illustration, that is so confronting to me. Because I go, and I hope it's confronting to you too. I don't want to be face-to-face with Jesus at the end of my life and go, 
why was I a fig tree with lots of leaves but no fruit? I don't want to get to the end of my life and go, I did all this stuff, but where was the fruit? And I hope that that's, I think it's true of our church too. Are we doing this, all this stuff, but not producing the fruit which God has called us to? And Jesus is pretty hard on the fig tree. He's pretty hard. But at the same time, the moments that he does see fruit, I think the, the parable of the talents, where it doesn't take much fruit for Jesus to be happy, but it does take fruit. Um, and it's not a sense of we're doing this to make Jesus happy. It's to the degree that I have been changed by the gospel. If, if I'm not being driven to produce fruit, what am I doing? Wonderful. So our last point in all of this is the centre of the triangle. So, yeah. so what are we... Yeah, so just right in the middle there, no? <laughs> Good luck on that one. So as I said at the start, it's, it's the unity triangle. It's on the board. Unity is, is when we capture that vision of Jesus, what he wants, when we have this strategy in place and the mission, it all works together for unity. Uh, and that is, of course, what we want. We want a common heart for a common purpose to see Jesus be made known in our community and further abroad, people being um, developed in the ways of Jesus. And that will unite us and that will get us praying and uh, joining in together more than anything else. Um, I think um, yeah, I, I was, another piece of imagery is that it seems like so many churches at the moment are just trying to um, hold on. They're like on that slippery slope between, oh, how long are we going to hold on before we close the doors? And we don't want to be like that. We want to be so plugged into Jesus that we're, we're seeing exciting things happen. And uh, it's the least of our concerns. David, yes. would you mind if I say something? Of course. No, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind. Sweet. Do you want the I microphone? I just feel that, that there's a because in here that because. we sort of addressed. When it's mission, to me, it's the urgency of the gospel, but also yes, of course. But in that Colossians 2 verses, yes. that expresses why mm. when it's urgent. It's because, and this is the thing people don't know, we are hostile to God. We are his enemies because, and he has done, Jesus has done all that needs Done forever. Yes. Nothing more needs to be done. That to me creates the urgency of mission, which will lead to the mission, vision, and the strategy. Yes. Once we grasp that reality, that people, and that's the thing people don't know. Amen. And church, they don't know. And, and, and who's going to tell them? Yes. And if we want a greater picture of that, we should be seeking after God. And that's what God wants. He wants us to seek Him, and He will show Himself. And when we, we get that greater vision, then, then it moves us into action. So it's a because of Colossians 1. <laughs> yeah. Because of the gospel. Yeah. I, and I think out of that as well, David and I were having a conversation about what is the gospel this week. And we were looking at, um, a few of you were here a few weeks ago when we did a series on what is the gospel. The gospel is clearly laid out in 1 Corinthians 15 and it says it's the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. The gospel is to tell the story of Jesus according to the scriptures. And so our job isn't to um, get people to sign up to this doctrinal statement. It isn't to get people to have all the ideas sorted out. It's just to get people to fall in love with Jesus. And to the degree that people fall in love with Jesus is the degree that they will be changed. It's the degree that they'll be challenged. It's the degree that they'll be transformed. And as we get the gospel, it will, as you said, define all these things. It's as we fall in love with Jesus, Jesus is going to be why we exist. Jesus is going to be where we're going. And Jesus is going to be 
how we get there through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I think a point here on unity is as well, maybe some of you have felt um, challenged recently by what we've been doing at church. Um, maybe there's, there's changes to the way we've um, been um, doing services, especially during the vision series, even some of the changes in church itself. And I want to, and I know David and I can both affirm this, we want unity. We want everyone to be so uh, sold out and bought in to the message of Jesus and to the vision of our church. But the only way we can get unity is when we're unified on these points. Unity isn't something that magically appears. It's something that's built. And unity is built when we agree on why, why do we exist, where are we going, and how we get there. If we agree and we are, we are so uh, concreted and so um, sure in these points, unity will be a byproduct because we're all on the same page. But if we have different visions of where we're going, or different visions of how we get there, we're going to be disunified. Unity isn't something that is uh, a, a feeling or an emotion or a, a, a decision. It, it's, it's, a, it's a product of us agreeing on these points, which is why it's so key that you're involved in this conversation. Uncomfortable um, for those church people around. Would you just make sure, keep an eye out for, for who's around you, and let's try and include everyone in this. 